In this episode of the Euctropolis podcast, Lightning Round. One question from every course at euctropolis.com. Welcome back to the Euctropolis podcast for more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions. I'm your host, James Hill. And in this episode, I'm going to do a lightning round where I take one question from each course on Euctropolis. It's going to be fun. Stick around. Well, let's start at the very beginning. The very first place that most people come into Euctropolis is with the $1 absolute beginner course called Ready Steady Ukulele. So we're going to start with Ready Steady Ukulele, and we're going to progress all the way through Booster Uke. We'll take a question from the Ukulele Way, a question from Ukulele Jazz. We'll cherry pick a question from the uh, Ukulele X course and the Jehui certification program. We're just going to do the rounds in this episode. So starting at the very beginning, we have a question from John, who is going through the Ready Steady Ukulele program for just $1.00. It's great for absolute beginners. Even if you're not an absolute beginner, I'm sure you know an absolute beginner who could benefit from a comprehensive $1 introduction to the ukulele, where they get to strum and pick and learn how to read music, learn how to tune, how to hold the instrument, even how to purchase a good quality instrument. Anyway, that's all in there. And John asks... It would be nice if I could print the material so that I could practice unplugged. Plus, the vertical scrolling music takes some getting used to. He said, my hands are so busy scrolling uh, that I can't play. Okay, so there's a couple of questions here, and these are great questions. I've chosen this one because we get a lot of emails with these questions, and I thought maybe addressing them here would, would help to clear things up. Thanks, John, for for that. First things first, can you print the music so that you don't have to be in front of your computer all the time? The answer is yes. And the way you do that is by scrolling down to the sheet music, the online sheet music that you see, and you'll see a magic little icon below the music that looks like a gear, almost like like a bicycle gear. And if you click on that gear, it'll pop open a menu. And in that menu is a button that says print. So click on that print button and it will uh, take you to a window where you can decide if you want to print to a PDF, which you could then save on your hard drive, or whether you just want to print it right out onto paper. That's a really, really handy feature that is available for all interactive scores on Euctropolis.com. So you can always print out or save to your computer these scores so that you don't have to be online when you're practicing. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, John was asking about scrolling. Well, scrolling is one of those things, you don't want to be scrolling the mouse or the, or the, or the screen while you're trying to practice. And so built right into this is another magic icon, which is, again, below the interactive sheet music, and it looks like a a square. It looks like a little square 
with some you know corner brackets. And that little square below the music is the full screen icon. And if you click on that full screen icon, it'll do exactly what the name suggests. It'll pop this score into full screen mode. Not only that, it'll turn on auto scroll. Auto scroll is where the music keeps moving so that you don't have to, virtually speaking, turn the page. It will just keep going and keep scrolling the music as the cursor moves forward. So that full screen feature is a really, really nice thing. Uh, in fact, I'd say it's essential to having a seamless practice experience. And John, while you're in there and you have that uh, gear menu open, explore some of the other options that are there. There's, for example, a zoom slider, which allows you to zoom in on the music, make it bigger if you're having trouble reading it. Uh, there's also the heading instrument appearance, where you can select whether you want to show or hide the tab, or whether you want to show or hide the chord symbols or the, the chord diagrams. There's even a little option that says play with count in, so that you can hear four count in beats before you actually start playing. There are really some nice features built into this um, interactive score, and they all start with that little gear icon. And here's one more tip for mobile devices. If you're on a phone or an iPad, particularly any kind of Apple product, and you find that the audio isn't working on these interactive scores, don't forget that you actually have to physically turn off that mute button that is on the side of the device. If your device is physically muted with that button, that little slider button that the uh, Apple devices have, then you won't be able to hear the audio in these interactive scores. So make sure you've got that unsilenced if you want to hear the audio. So there's some uh, tips for using these interactive scores, which I tell you, once you get the hang of them, they are so powerful and so fun. Thank you, John, for the question, and I hope that helps. Our next question comes from the course Booster Uke, which is the natural next step after that $1 Ready Steady Ukulele course. Most students come out of that and they're ready for more and they jump right into Booster Uke, which is a really fun course, just 10 lessons long, that will take you from being a beginner player to being a bona fide intermediate player. Just 10 lessons, really fun, really surprisingly easy, and you get to play a lot of material that is beyond what you would normally think was within your grasp as a beginner player. So that is where we find ourselves for this question from Judith, who's working on Lesson 8. And she asks a question that is so fundamental to our understanding of music and the way we feel music that I wanted to include it here in this lightning round. Judith says, I don't quite understand 
what you mean when you say tonic. I imagine you don't mean tonic to build you up like tonic water, she says. I've only been playing for a short while in a club, and I've never heard the terms tonic or dominant. Could you uh, explain this some more? I don't want to move on before I get it. Well, Judith, this is a great question. Thank you for asking it. I'm sure you're not the only one wondering about tonic and dominant. It really comes down to the feeling of home and away. It's really that simple. We can all relate to the feeling of being at home. Sitting there comfortably in your favorite easy chair. That's the feeling of home. There are really kind of two places in the world. There's home and there's away, right? One place is very comfortable. We know it like the back of our hand. And that other big old world out there, all that stuff that's not home, sometimes beckons to us, sometimes it frightens us. But we feel the difference between home and away. This chord does not feel like home. It feels like it wants to go back home, doesn't it? It wants to resolve. And before you get too far down the road of all the other fancy harmonies that are possible, you really need to understand the binary star of harmony, and that is the tonic-dominant relationship. The journey from home to away and ultimately back home. That really is the fundamental pivot on which all of Western European harmony rests from Mozart through to Duke Ellington. It all pivots on the feeling of chords that are at rest and chords that are in motion. A feeling like that, it's got to go somewhere. It's like an arrow that points in a certain direction and has a certain momentum, and it will continue to move until it comes to rest. That is the very soul of Western European harmony. This dichotomy between home, which we call tonic, and away, which we call the dominant. Now, we could have called them eggs and ham. It doesn't really matter what we call them. Tonic and dominant, these are words that have just become conventions over time. What matters is the feeling. The feeling that one of these chords is in motion and one of these chords is at rest. You could almost imagine Isaac Newton, if he'd been a musician, he would have said something like, a harmony in motion remains in motion until it's resolved. 
that it really is kind of as fundamental as that. And so, Judith, I hope that that explanation helps. Again, it comes back to the feeling. And once you internalize that feeling, music will just make a whole lot more sense. Right along to the next course in Euctropolis, we come to the Ukulele Way. This is where you go once you've done the $1 Ready Steady Ukulele course, you've mastered Booster Uke and the magic of chord twins. If you've taken Booster Uke, you know what I'm talking about with chord twins. And then you're ready for something new. You're ready for the art of solo ukulele. And when I say solo ukulele, I don't mean that you're taking solos in blues or jazz. You know, that's fun, but that's not what I mean when I say solo ukulele. Solo ukulele is when you play the melody and the chords and the rhythm all at the same time. That's what I mean by solo ukulele. It's solo because you could play the gig solo without a band if you had to because you are playing all the musical ingredients at the same time. Now that is a big challenge musically to learn how to juggle all of those musical parts simultaneously. This is a journey into learning, into musicianship, and into different styles of music. And it's a journey, of course, into the ukulele to take you, that takes you much deeper into the instrument and how to play it. It gets you out of those first three frets and into, as Chalmers Stone says, the more expensive frets <laughs> that, you, that you paid for but rarely use. And it does this in a very sequential way that builds on everything you've learned so far in those other courses. So... This is the natural next step when you've finished Booster Uke. And so this is where we find ourselves for this next question, which comes from a student with the handle lib44. And she asks a relatively simple question in lesson one of the first level of the ukulele way, because there are, there are six levels of this course. And you get them all, by the way. When you, when you register for the course, you get full access to all six levels and you can jump around and find the right spot for you. Although I recommend not skipping levels one and two just because you think they might be too easy. There's a lot of fundamental stuff in there that, uh, that you don't want to skip over. So Lib44 asks a question right off the jump in lesson one. And that is, how do you play the notes E and G together. How do you do that? Those notes are on the same string, E and G. Now, this is 
a question that I get often. How do you play two notes together at the same time, like that, if those two notes are on the same string? Because once you play one of them, it covers up the first one. So what's going on? Well, this question shows us just how the ukulele is not like the piano. <laughs> and I don't mean that, yes, you can take your ukulele to the beach, but no, you probably can't take your piano to the beach. That's not what I mean. When I look at the piano, I see a wonderful, beautiful instrument that I love, but I see that there's only one way to play each note. There's only one E in this register. There's only one way to play G in this register. And that's not the way it is on the ukulele. Because we have multiple strings, you have multiple ways of playing virtually every note on the fretboard. That's a very non-linear kind of thing, especially if you're accustomed to the linear way that the piano is laid out. And so this can be a stumbling block for people when they first come to the ukulele. But once you understand that there are multiple places to play virtually every note on the ukulele, it kind of unlocks new possibilities. And so that's the answer here. Although E and G seem like they can't be played together, what if I find a different version of E, in this case, on the next string? If I play the fourth fret of the C string, I get an E, just like my open string. They should be the same note if your ukulele is in tune. Fourth fret on the C string and no frets on the second string are both the note E. And now, with that fourth fret E on the C string, I'm able to play the G note at the same time. Because I've split that interval across two strings and now I'm playing 4th fret on the C string and 3rd fret on the E string. I've shifted up too, so I'm playing the, those two notes with my index and middle fingers. That makes it a little more ergonomic for me. And just like that, I've solved the problem. And so, Lib44, I hope that solves the problem for you too, and uh, I'm sure you're not the only one who's wondered this. But it does open a whole world of possibilities once you realize that there are multiple ways to play almost every single note on this instrument. Have fun, and I hope that helps. The next stop on our lightning tour through all the courses of Euctropolis is the course Ukulele Jazz. This is one that I've been having so much fun with lately, a lot of great student feedback. If you're interested in jazz, if you've always loved jazz, this is the course for you. Ukulele is a surprisingly great jazz instrument, and uh, I think you'll find this course is accessible and fun. For intermediate and advanced players, it's not something where you have to wait 
until you're finished the ukulele way to dive into ukulele jazz. A lot of people have been doing both courses uh, simultaneously and kind of ping-ponging back and forth between them, depending on their, their mood and what they feel like learning that day. So the question I've picked here is a question from Sue, and Sue is working on the very first tune that students learn in ukulele jazz. It's called St. Louis Blues. It's a great jazz standard. It's kind of a bridge between the blues and early jazz. You know, really, jazz begins with the blues, and so we begin with the blues as well in this course. The song goes like this. I hate to see the evening sun go down Hate to see the evening sun go down Cause my baby she done left this town or something to that effect sue is asking how do i switch between those first two chords the first two chords are f7 and b flat 7 it's tricky because those two chords both cover all four strings f7 in this configuration that i'm playing is two three one three that may not be the f7 that you're accustomed to but it's an f7 that i love and i strongly recommend for everyone these are the fret names from the ceiling down to the floor two three one three and i'm playing that last note with the pinky finger okay on the third fret of the a string this gives a nice, bold, broad sound for an F7. And then B flat 7 is uh, barring the first fret all the way across and putting your middle finger on the D note, which is second fret of the C string. Now, those chords individually are not too bad for an intermediate player. F7. B flat 7. Of course, they sound great together. The trick, though, with these more advanced pieces is not the chords themselves. It's the chord changes. And if you've ever tried this material, you know exactly what I mean. If time was no object, if you could just take as much time as you needed to make the transition from one chord to another, you would be fine. There would be no trouble, but there would also be no groove there would be no momentum because you would constantly be stopping the train to pick up a dime and, and set up the next chord. The challenging thing for intermediate and advanced players as they move into more ergonomically complex stuff is how to keep the flow of the music going without stops. You don't want to have, I hate to see... No, hold, on, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, uh, uh. I'll get this. Um, yeah, here it is. The evening sun go down. What is it? Down. <laughs> you know, of course, I'm exaggerating for effect. The point is, you need to keep this thing flowing. 
if you want the audience to disappear into the musical world that you're creating for them. If you really want this music to wrap around your audience like a blanket, they can't be aware of all the little intricacies and the difficulties that you're experiencing, all the inconveniences of playing this song. It's like a magic trick. You know, the audience has to be oblivious to all of the sleight of hand that you're doing. They just want to believe the illusion that you're creating. And that's your job, is to hide how difficult it is to get from F7 smoothly to B flat seven. That's your job. And the payoff is when you get to do that and you see an audience disappear into the feeling that you're creating, well, it's all worth it, right? So the transition from F7 to B flat seven, classic transition problem, you know, that stops people up. So uh, another student here, Linda, has jumped in with a suggestion that I think is a really good one. I've got a couple other suggestions. But Linda starts with this one. She says, I just tried barring the first fret for the F7, and that made it easier to switch to the B-flat 7. Well, wait a minute. That, that's like a great idea. I, I didn't think of that. Linda has actually answered this question, which I encourage anyone to do. If you see a lesson comment go by and you have an answer, please feel free to jump in. These are not just ask James kind of questions. They're really ask anyone who's working on this lesson. So Linda jumped in. She's got a great suggestion. Normally we don't play the F7 with a bar. But what happens if you play F7 and you lie your first finger all the way across the first fret? It might feel a bit awkward, but it shouldn't sound any different than normal. But what happens is that you've prepared most of the next chord. Your first finger is already in a barred position, and all you have to do is add one note to get the B-flat 7. Great suggestion. Thank you, Linda. Try that and see if you like it. Now here's another suggestion from me, a little bit of a sleight-of-hand trick for getting to that B-flat 7 and making it sound smooth. Here's another way to do it. When you go to the B-flat 7, start with just the bar just the first finger across the first fret, and you'll get this sound. Now, that is not the right chord, is it? This is not B flat seven. This is actually B flat minor seven. One, 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 one. First finger straight across the first fret. So it's the wrong chord, but here's the thing. We're not gonna stay there long. We are going to hammer down that missing note. We're going to add that little bump on the log by just hammering down the middle finger on the second fret of the C string. And it's going to sound like this. Did you hear it? I strummed the straight across version and then immediately hammered down the missing note. Like that. Not only does it sound kind of cool and jazzy, but it gives me just a split second extra to find that middle finger note. I can find the bar straight across the fifth fret pretty easily, but it's adding that middle finger that sometimes trips me up. So one step, two steps, 
and you do them relatively quickly, and it actually sounds kind of good. Now, to, to take kind of a sort of a weird tangent here, uh, if you're interested in web design, and, and I got interested in web design and web pages in the early 2000s, and it's always been sort of a hobby and an interest for me. Now, if you go on to a web page these days, you're probably going to notice something called lazy loading. And lazy loading means that you only see the images that you need to see. Only the images that are in view, those are the ones that load first. And then if you're really interested in that page, well, then you scroll down. And at that point, the images further down the page start loading. And this makes the page faster to load initially, and it saves bandwidth and all sorts of good stuff. Well, what we're doing here with this fingering of B-flat 7 is just lazy loading the chord. We're starting with one part of the chord and then adding another part of the chord later. And just the same way that lazy loading a web page makes it faster to load, well, lazy loading a chord makes it quicker and easier to get to that chord because not everything has to happen all at once. Okay, that's a bit of an obscure analogy, but hey, if it works for you, then it works for you. I've got one more idea here on this F7 to B flat 7 chord change, and that is to keep the C note in place for both chords. Keeping the pinky finger down on its note is something that I talked about in one of the early episodes of this podcast. This is a strategy I use all the time because I like it when one note sustains itself over a chord change or even an entire chord progression sometimes. I just like that sound. Well, in this case, it can actually be a benefit to you know the ergonomics, not just the musicality of it. If I keep that C note in place, as I change to B-flat 7, it turns the B-flat 7 into a B-flat 9. That's just a regular B-flat 7 with the little finger still in place on the C note. There's the F7 and the B-flat 9. And for that B-flat 9, I'm not using a bar anymore because I don't have to. I'm just using one finger on each note, and those notes are from ceiling to floor. They are 1st fret, 2nd fret, 1st fret, 3rd fret. 1, 2, 1, 3. Try it out, and I think you'll find that it's not too bad. And uh, it's another way of, of getting this chord change to happen without having to sort of stop the train to pick up a dime. And plus, I just really like the sound. I hate to see the evening sun go down. Listen to that C just ringing all the way. Hate to see the evening sun go down. Even to the C7 chord, it stays there. Cause my baby, she done left this town. 
you could just keep that C note in place the entire time. And not only is it sort of interesting musically as a variation, it also allows you to try a different fingering, which might work better for you. So try it. There are three suggestions. Uh, Sue, I hope one of them works for you. Thanks for the great question. You can't do a lightning round of all the courses in Eugtropolis without making a stop at Ukulele X, the extreme ukulele course. The only course where you have to sign a waiver when you sign up. Seriously, not even joking. Ukulele X is not an advanced ukulele course. It is an extreme ukulele course. You do things to the ukulele that are just very unusual. <laughs> And you and you turn your ukulele into a drum machine, a synthesizer, and just goodness knows what. It's really quite a trip. So if you're interested in the outer limits of ukulele, check out ukulelex.com. I'm going to go to a question from Anne, who's working on Lesson 1 of Ukulele X. And she says, this is too much fun. Do you have any suggestions on amp settings? in terms of bass, middle, or treble? Okay, this is a, a great question because Ukulele X is about playing the pickup of your ukulele as if it were part of the instrument. Most of the time, I think people want the pickup to be transparent. They want the pickup to sound as natural as possible. They, they want the audience to believe that the electronics in the instrument, the cables on the stage, the big speakers and the mixers, they just want the audience to believe that none of that is there, that it's totally transparent. Well, of course it is there, and there's no way around that. It's the modern way. So Ukulele X doesn't try to pretend that all that stuff isn't there. It just meets it head on and says, the pickup is part of the instrument. So let's learn how to play the pickup. So not surprisingly, what you have for an amp or a speaker is going to have a big impact on how successful you feel in this course. So this is a great question, especially right off the bat, because it's one of those questions you want to get to right off the bat. So um, first of all, I'm glad to hear, and that you're enjoying the course. And my personal feeling is that I like plenty of bass in the amp for this kind of stuff. There are sounds that you'll be making during Ukulele X that can only be heard through an amp because the ukulele cannot amplify these sounds naturally, acoustically. It doesn't have enough soundboard to do that. So we have to rely on the amp as being, like the pickup, part of your instrument. And here's the one thing that I'll put out there because it might be helpful even to folks who are not in the Ukulele X course. I think it's tempting for ukulele players to get a, a guitar amp. I, this happens a lot, where ukulele players plug into a, a guitar amp as a way of amplifying their sound. I've done this myself. Uh, I know that 
by and large, that's not really the right move. And, and the reason is a guitar amp is tuned specifically to bring out those guitar frequencies and to make a guitar sound more like a guitar. And uh, the ukulele, I find, sounds more rich and natural, not through an amp, which is designed to really make the guitar stand out uh, and really have some bite to it, you know, in that mid-range, but rather in a PA speaker, a speaker where you'd expect to hear um, anything from the uh, a bass through to uh, a keyboard or even a vocalist. PA speakers are designed for a more full range spectrum of sound. They've got usually a, a bigger bass speaker at the bottom, and then at the top they've got a, a very small, like tweeter, I guess you call it, which which um, brings out the very high frequencies. And it's more like a it's a little bit more like a stereo speaker that you would have if you're you know playing a CD or a record or a Spotify or whatever. That's more like what a PA speaker is. And I find, in my experience, uh, and certainly with Ukulele X, that a PA speaker is the best bet because you're going to have all the frequencies from absolutely sub-bass way down low to very scratchy, sparkling, high timbres. So a guitar amp just doesn't have that kind of range. It's not designed for that. So that's my suggestion. Get yourself a, a decent quality PA speaker, and I think you'll find that your uh, your ukulele sounds best through that, even if you're not uh, abusing it the way we do in Ukulele X. So I hope that's helpful. Thanks, Anne, for the question. To finish off this episode, and this has been a lightning round, a quick tour around every single course in Euctropolis, taking one question from each of those along the way. We are going to finish with a quick stop at the Jehui Teacher Certification Program. This program has three levels, but I'm going to take a question from one of the uh, seminars in level one. This question is from Kathleen. She has just watched a seminar called Ukulele vehicle or destination question mark this is a seminar where i talk about the idea that if you're a teacher of ukulele you have many little decisions to make along the way like do i start with picking or do i start with strumming do i buy soprano ukuleles or do i buy concert or tenor ukuleles should i have a high fourth string or a low fourth string uh, what teaching method should I use? These are all questions that can seem overwhelming at first. And yet, if you have clarity on one simple thing, if you have an answer to one simple question, it will make all of those decisions much easier. And that question that you have to answer for yourself is ukulele, vehicle, or destination? In other words, is the ukulele the end in itself? 
Or is the ukulele a vehicle for something else, something bigger maybe? Uh, if the ukulele is the end unto itself, then you might teach tablature instead of standard notation. You might use a high fourth string instead of a low fourth string. If the ukulele is not the ultimate destination of your students, if, for example, the ukulele is a way for them to begin their musicianship journey, if it's a way for them to learn transferable music skills so that they can take what they learn on ukulele and transport it to the flute or the piano or the trumpet or whatever, if that is your goal, and if the ukulele is a vehicle, well, then you might want to teach things like standard notation so they don't have to relearn how to read music when they transfer to another instrument. You might want to focus on things like playing by ear and arranging and understanding the structure of music and intervals. You might want to have a low fourth string so that the students get more range from their ukuleles and they can play in ensemble settings more effectively at an earlier stage. So many of these decisions that we lose sleep over are made very clear if you have an answer to this one question. Ukulele, is it a vehicle or a destination? And Kathleen comments, uh, she says, I am so happy that your program is designed around developing the musician and not just developing the ukulele player. Well, Kathleen, that's, uh, that is my bias as well. But uh, I also recognize that either way can work. Either way can bring joy. Either way can bring music into a person's life in a meaningful way. I certainly am not going to sit here and say that one way is, is just qualitatively better than the other. Um, but I certainly have my bias because of the way that I was brought up in ukulele. It was very much in the in the spirit of what Chalmers Doan had accomplished in Halifax. And that was his MO when he was teaching, was to prepare students for their next instrument, using the ukulele as the ultimate springboard, the, the very best starting point for all young musicians in the Halifax program. That is the spirit of the program that I grew up in as well. So I can't help but have that same kind of bias in, in my own teaching. But it is really very much up to the teacher, what they feel comfortable with, what they get excited about, and what they feel they can authentically bring to their students. There is no right answer to this question, and your answer can change over time as you change, as your students change. So decide whether ukulele is the vehicle or the destination, and I think you'll find that many of those little questions that keep you up at night suddenly just answer themselves. And that concludes our lightning round of questions from all across the Euctropolis learning ecosystem. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for tuning in to the Euctropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill, and I'll be back again next week with another episode. And until then, head over to euctropolis.com, check out our library of unique online ukulele courses, and join the community. 
it's fun. People are nice. Whether you're an absolute beginner, an intermediate player, an advanced player, or a teacher, or some combination of all of those things, there's a place for you at euketropolis.com. I'll see you there, and until next week, keep on strumming. <laughs>